0: Well, good morning. How are we doing? You guys are brave, aren't you? So I don't know about this, but um, I was supposed to speak last week, so they moved it to this week. And so I'm probably not going to get a chance to speak anymore because it seems like this bad weather just kind of keeps following me. All right. But we're going to see how it goes. I'm going to give it my best shot. All right. So I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys today on week three of the Power of the Invitation. And when I think of the power of the invitation, it takes me back to one of the, the more important invitations that I've ever had in my life, and that was when I was at the age of 19. And I was sitting in church on a Sunday evening service. Really? I know, right? Sunday evening, I'm in church. We're about three songs in. I look over my shoulder, and in comes this like beautiful, gorgeous girl coming into the auditorium right? Doesn't she just sit three rows in front of me? And I don't remember much about that sermon that day, but I was just thinking, I got to find out a way to be able to talk to this person. And so after the service, I started asking around. You know, it's a small church, and I need to find out, you know, who is this person? And so I quickly found some good news and some bad news. The good news was, is her parents attended there meaning there's a good chance she's probably gonna come back next week. The bad news? She has a boyfriend. But little did I know that she kept coming for the next few weeks. And I hosted this event before church. And a few weeks into it, she showed up at this event. All right, we called it New Life Class, all right? It was people that were new to the church, new to the faith. And I remember facilitating this class thinking, girl, do I have a new life for you, right? (laughs) And uh, so cheesy, you know? But I'm thinking, I need to make the most of this opportunity. It's a small church. There's not a lot to pick from, all right? And so I remember mustering up the courage that I'm like, after service today, like, I need to throw some sort of invite, all right? This is so lame when you hear this, all right? And so I remember going up to her. We would have had a few, you know, uh, interactions at this point, but I can remember saying, so... Uh, what do you say after church, uh, you join me as, uh, on the bus, on the church bus, as I drop off students after church? I have no idea what the draw was, but she reluctantly was like, yeah, sure, I guess, right? And so she joined me on, on this uh, adventure of dropping off all these teenagers after church, and I'm, so here's the truth. All right, I, so I took the longest way possible I made sure she was good and hungry, all right? Did I mention that she has a boyfriend at this time? And so a beautiful sunny summer afternoon and we drop off the last student and I like popped the question. I'm like, gosh, like shouldn't we like go for lunch? And so she, she, you know, she went for it and we spent that afternoon, beautiful restaurant downtown and she has been chasing me ever since. <laughs> And so, but you know what? The truth is, we all know um, invitations get awkward, you know, sweaty palms, nervous, not knowing what to say. You know, maybe for you it was moving to a new school and having to make friends there or a new university and trying to figure out the social dynamics. For others, it could be, you know, that job interview that you really want that job, and you have to put yourself out there, and it's sleepless nights, it's restlessness, what am I going to say, are they going to like me, right, that fear of rejection. And for those of you, you know, there's people maybe watching online that couldn't get here, but there's so many in this church today that you move to a new country, you move to a new city, and you've had to learn language and culture and put yourself out there, and it's awkward, right? That fear of rejection. And, and as Christians, I think that, that we uh, probably feel this tension more than we would like to admit. But as Christians, we are called, you know, one of the last things that Jesus said was to go ye therefore and make disciples, that was to invite people to share the good news of the gospel of what is happening in our life to other people. And as Christians, I think we feel this tension, but yet we don't know how to do it. Right? We don't know necessarily the words to say. And it's awkward. And this, the truth is, this fear of rejection sometimes holds us back. And so I hope that over the next few minutes, I want to be able to talk to you, share with some stories from Scripture and give you some helpful tips and suggestions on how we can be an invitational church. Are you guys ready to go with me this morning? All right, so how many of you have ever had this experience where you invited somebody to church and midway through like the service, Like something weird happened and you are so embarrassed and you're thinking, I can't believe I brought somebody to church. Has anybody experienced that? Like, you know, maybe some lady, you know, stood up in the middle of service and thought she'd share her testimony, right? Or maybe the pastor was just kind of off on his message and you're just like cringing in your seat with your best friend or your friend beside you and you're thinking, I wish I never invited them right? That is a true feeling. Well, here at Moncton Wesleyan, I am so thankful that if you were to say, when is the best Sunday to invite somebody to church? Do you know what my answer is? Any Sunday. Because Moncton Wesleyan is an incredible uh, church environment that you can invite somebody, a friend, neighbor, or coworker, any Sunday at all, because we put a lot of thought and planning to make sure that it is an environment where people that are new feel welcome. How many people think that is amazing, right? But I know what some of you are thinking. You are thinking, you know what? I am never going to invite somebody to church. That's what some of you are thinking. It's not my personality. I'm an introvert. I'm never going to invite somebody to church. And you know what? Here's the reality. Here is the reality. And you're thinking, can we just get on from this power of the invitation and move on to something else like relationships or something else? No, you got me for the next 15 minutes. So here we go. Here's what's at stake. All right? We are living in a very confusing time where people are facing, you know, record highs of anxiety, depression, right? Fear, worry, you name it. People are confused And I believe that is our responsibility as Christians to be able to share the good news of the gospel, the hope that is on the inside of us today. How many believe that, that? That's our responsibility. There is a lot at stake, all right? And I want to look at a verse of scripture found in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 4. And I came across it this week. And it says, it says this. It says, Satan is the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. If we just stop there and we think of like, why is there a lot of messed up things happen? The answer is that Satan is the God of this world, right? He's in control. Do you know that God is only in control of the people who allow him to be used by him? Does that make sense? That's the only, so it's, it puts a high priority on us that we need to allow God to use us to make a difference in this world. Because Satan right now is the God of this world. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. You want to know what's at stake? It's our responsibility as Christians to be able to reach people who their minds have been blinded to the good news of the gospel. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news They don't understand the message. It's our responsibility. God, I believe, has placed us, positioned us here with influence to be able to bring the light, the message of hope, peace, joy, you know, goodness to people's lives that their minds are blinded to to what God has for them. How many think that's an important role? Right? And so, you know what? We need to know You need to know today that your invitation, your invitation could save a marriage. Your invitation today could rescue that dysfunctional family that is breaking apart. Your invitation today could help that single parent that is so alone and is looking for hope. Your invitation could change her or his life. You know, that young person that's looking for direction. You know, what is the next step in their future? Your invitation could change the trajectory of their life. I don't know about you, but that makes me kind of get excited. To be able to have a front row seat to the life change that could happen in somebody's life. And so, um, you know what? We have to face this reality that each one of you are here today. Because somebody invited you. It may have been a billboard. It could have been an Instagram post. It could have been a friend, neighbor, coworker. But the reality is, you would not be here today if somebody didn't invite you. It could have been four days ago, four months ago. Some of you, it's 40 years ago. But no matter what, you are here because of an invitation. And so there is a lot at stake today. Would you believe that? That as a church, that we are called to be inviters and bring people to Jesus. And so my question is to you is, how long has it been since you've invited somebody to church or Alpha or something along that line? How long has it been? Can I tell you that when we become inviters, life gets so exciting. I love being able to invite people and talk to people about, you know, what God has done in my life and what I'm passionate and what I'm excited about. And when we stop inviting, when we stop inviting, then we come to church and we're talking about the color of the carpet and we're talking about the lights and the coffee doesn't taste good and all those different things, right? Right? but when you are inviting and you are bringing somebody i just seen jenna can just in the, in the in the atrium just a few minutes ago and great big high five and big smile you know what she is so excited you know as we celebrated you know jessica lewis getting baptized today she had a part in that she invited her and she is so thrilled and so if you are not excited and passionate about your faith you know what, I want to encourage you to become an inviter. We're going to talk about what that looks like. And I want, to, I want to look at a verse of scripture found in Mark chapter 2. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And so today, I want us, I want us to face our fear of rejection and I want us to, to realize that, you know what, we're, we're going to hit this thing head on, and we're going to see what happens when we get beyond our fear of rejection and, and insecurity and all those things that, that you and I both face when it comes to being an inviter. Alright, so uh, I'm going to pull this up on the screen, but if you have a Bible, go to Mark 2, uh, verse 1 through 12, and... <clears throat> I, uh I'm going to kind of hit the highlights because we don't have, I want to get you guys out early. All right, so we're not going to read the whole, whole chapter or whole 12 verses, but we're going to hit it. All right, so you guys there, Mark 2, hopefully we have it on the screen, Mark 2, uh, verse 1. All right, here we go. So um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people had heard that he had come home. You know what this this is like when jesus was really starting to get popular and people were beginning to follow him you know youtube you know his videos were going viral okay people smashing that like button because they were starting to follow jesus instagram just blowing up right in capernaum back then and people were following him because there were some incredible things happening and so i want to i want to unpack this story of what is going on in the scripture It says they gathered in such large numbers, okay, see all the masses are coming, right, um, that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and it says that he preached the word to them. I think that's important that he preached the word, that I think as culture changes, sometimes as church, we have to be reminded of what truly changes people's lives. Are you guys with me this morning? Right? It's not the lights, it's not the guy speaking, it's not the band, it's none of that, It is the word of God. It is that truth. When I mentioned before that we're in a culture that that people are confused, it is the truth of the word of God that sets people free. And actually, that's what attracts people to us. And so Jesus is here teaching the word of God. I think that's so important. And let's continue on here in verse 3. And now it says, Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Everybody say bringing. 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 They were bringing somebody to Jesus. You know, we're talking today about being invitational, but I think that sometimes life has paralyzed some people and they are stuck. They are trapped. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to get there. And it's our responsibility as Christians to be able to bring somebody to Jesus. What does that mean? I say this often. Sometimes we have to invite people into our life before we can invite them to church. And sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to invite them to church, or I'm going to invite them to Alpha, but actually sometimes it's going to take more work than that, and we have to actually get involved. Just like these four men picked this guy up, and they said, you know what? we're taking this guy to Jesus. And sometimes as Christians, we have to understand that we need to become bringers as well. And so some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, all right, so they're on a mission, okay? They know exactly what they're doing. Right? So they have this guy. They're trying to go through the back door. Right? They can't get through. People are like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not getting in. Right? They go check the side door. Right? They're trying to get him through the window. Right? They can't get him anywhere. So what do they do? All right? What do they do? They made an opening in the roof. That sounds a little ambitious, doesn't it? Well, I gotta be honest, I gotta take a time out here. So when when we were kids, uh, we had so much fun growing up, Uh, and my mom's probably watching online, so she's gonna laugh at this, but we would distract her, and we would get her to go down in the basement and like clean something or do something, we'd make a mess or whatever, and then we would open up the window upstairs, and we would get up onto the roof, and we could get up onto one level and get up onto the next level of the roof, all right? And we had this, this backyard swimming pool four feet deep, and, and we figured out that if you ran fast enough and jumped at just the right point off of the roof, we could actually jump over the deck and land in the swimming pool. <laughs> wow. I was like thinking about that as I was reading this verse. I'm thinking, we were crazy, you know? I don't know which one of us three brothers were the first to do it, but I kind of have a good idea. Anyway, these guys are crazy. They're on the roof. Like, think about it. Think about this. There's all these people in this room. They're hearing Jesus talking. And they're up on the roof, like, ripping a hole. Like, doesn't that sound like a little, like, like, they're a little nuts? Like, they're really trying to get this guy to Jesus. I can picture Jesus up there, like, he's trying to, like, talk to them. And, you know, discipleship and all this stuff. And there's, like, stuff falling, right? And he's, like, looking up. And these guys refuse to stop. Because they want to get people to Jesus. I think this is brilliant. And so they they, they began to dig through. Uh, Next verse. I, I love what begins to unfold in this story. When Jesus saw their faith. Look at the person beside you and say, saw their faith. Say, saw their faith. You know what? We can pray and we can talk. But you know what? That faith has action. There is a point that needs to change in our life where we actually do something other than just talk about it. Come on, somebody, right? These guys were ambitious. They're on the roof. They didn't care what people thought. They were wrecking stuff. It wasn't their roof, and they didn't care because they wanted to do whatever they could to get their friend to Jesus. I wonder what... Christianity would look like if we had that faith where we said, I don't care. All right? And so they get him to Jesus, to the paralyzed man, and Jesus says, son, so they lower him down. Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. And I want you to just go to this next verse because the narrative is going to kind of change here. And it says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Now, I want you to understand who these teachers of the law are. These guys are the smart people in the room, all right? We have any, like, educated, like, smart people in the room? Like, that is not me, but there are some of you that, that you know, you know your stuff, right? Well, uh, that's kind of like what these people were, but they were, they were the religious people of the day that they knew the Bible. They knew what it said. They had it memorized. They quoted it. They studied it and they see what's going on and they said that when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, these religious people are like, are you kidding me? Like who do you think you are? Son of Joseph, carpenter guy, like you're nobody and now you're saying that sins are forgiven. And I think that it's, we have to look at this and sometimes check ourselves, that sometimes we can judge people by our words and by our actions, if we're not careful and miss, listen to this: what Jesus is doing. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we can we can get a little judgmental when it comes to something different. And I love this statement. Why does this person talk like that? He's blaspheming. This isn't true. And it reminds me of this story. And I'm really trying to go quick here. I was I was getting my haircut four or five weeks ago. And I love getting my hair cut because it's, it's, it's an opportunity for me to chat with people. And, t- and, and I love going to, you know, a tattoo shop, barber shop. And I just love to hear the conversations that are happening. And so this poor guy, he's like 21 years old. He gets the privilege of cutting my hair. Little does he know what he's getting into, right? And so here's the deal. It's an unwritten rule. I give you like 20 seconds to start talking to me. And if you don't, then I start asking you questions like rapid fire. And so... He, he, and some of you that have spent time with me, you know I ask a lot of questions. Um, and so he's kinda like just doing his thing. And so I'm like, all right, I gave you your time. So I always start with, so uh, tell me, how long you've been cutting hair, right? That's a good question, fair question. You wanna know if you're cutting my hair. I wanna know how long you've been cutting, right? If it's six weeks, it's like I'm, I'm going next door. All right, so I start asking him, you know, how long have you been doing this? Where did you go to school? Did you grow up in Moncton? You know, and just hitting him, what do you do for fun? What are you doing this weekend? All these types of questions. And what I hope is that eventually he'll begin asking me questions because then I can talk to him what I'm excited and what I'm passionate about, right? And so they fall for this every time. They're like, this guy's asking way too many questions. I got to shut this down and start asking him questions. So they start to talk to me about what I do and what I'm passionate about. And so this guy asks me, so what are you doing tonight? I'm thinking... Oh, this is so good. I, well, you wouldn't believe it. I get to hang out with about 100 teenagers tonight because I'm working um, in, in youth ministry right now, so I get to speak to some students. I'm super excited about that at this church called Moncton Wesleyan. And he goes, Moncton Wesleyan? I said, yeah. He said, I used to go to Promise Land Park. Does anybody know what Promise Land Park is? I was not there, okay? I, that was before me. But this is incredible because this is what he said. Promised Land Park is so ingrained in me. It has had such an impact on my life as a kid. And so thank you to each and every one of you that serve in children's ministry each and every week. This young guy does not go to church, all right? But what he learned is so ingrained into him. And so then I got to ask him more questions. Really? That's amazing. So how long did you go there? Oh, I stopped when I was 13. Oh my goodness, really? So, so could you tell me maybe why people stop going to church? Remember, we're talking about this verse right here and how we can easily judge people. And here is this, this young guy telling me, I think the church has to be careful in how they respond to people or, how, or who they receive into their church or who they allow go to their church. And so we begin to have a conversation of how he didn't feel like he belonged after a while because of the lifestyle that he was choosing to live. And I think it's so important that as a church, we are, need to be careful. Here's what I've learned. Communication, communication is 53% body language. It's 33% our tone, and it's 7% our words. And sometimes as Christians, we have to make sure that our body language, are you guys with me? And our tone matches the 7% of what we're saying. And sometimes we can say a whole lot of really good things, but our body language and our tone are saying something completely different. And sometimes it's not warm and welcoming like we should. Come on, somebody, you guys with me? All right? It's time for us to check ourselves. And so this is what's going on in this story as these religious people are talking to Jesus. Let's go to the next verse. All right, we've got to go through this really, really quick, but why are you thinking these things? Jesus Jesus was reading what was going on with these religious leaders. Do you understand that? They didn't say it out loud. They were thinking it. He could understand by their body language and by their tone what they were thinking. And I don't know about you, but that is causing me to check myself and make sure that I do not give off that same impression to people who walk into this place. And so let's continue on. This is exciting as to what happens when people bring somebody to Jesus and they go on to say, you know, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. And let's continue on to the next verse But I want you to know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus is just firing back at these religious leaders and saying, I have authority. I've been given authority. Some of you, we hear this word called today. Jesus understood what he was called to. He understood his authority that he could speak to that lame man. He could speak and say, your sins are forgiven. And it's so important that we understand who we are and that we are called not unto ourselves, but we're called unto him. And we have an authority to speak to situations and command things to change in the name of Jesus. Are you guys with me this morning? So Jesus knew his authority. Let's go to the next verse. And he says, I tell you. He speaks to the lame man. To just remember the backdrop, what's going on here. There's all these people around. Do you know like how frightening, scary fear you would have in front of a room full of people to speak up and say, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Do you, Matt, can you feel the tension in that room as he says that and everybody is watching right now? And this lame man that's been paralyzed gets up takes his mat and goes home. This is incredible. Can you feel the excitement? They would have been high five, chest bump, everything, just like roof blowing off that place because this lame man was just healed. I want you guys to understand that we have that same power. We have that same authority in the name of Jesus. Look at the person beside you and say, this is good. Oh, I love this. This last part of the verse, check this out. It says, this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I wonder, what would it take for people to attend this church or one of the outreaches that we do and to hear people say, I have never seen anything like this before. that, That excites me. That's what I want people to hear, feel, and experience when they come in contact with the God that we serve. I am excited. I don't know if this is getting you excited, but I am getting excited today. So good. But we got to understand that fear presents an opportunity for our faith to thrive. Fear, when you feel fear enter you, come over you, whatever that is, you need to be able to look back at that fear and say that this is giving me an opportunity for my faith to thrive, for something amazing to happen, and we don't back down, we don't stop. We look fear in the eyes, and you say, I have faith, and you put faith, you put action to your faith and cease God, do something. And we gotta start kind of landing this plane, but you know what? Uh, fear provides this opportunity. What would you be willing? What would you be willing to risk? To get somebody to Jesus? Would it be your pride? Would it be what people think of you? What, what, what would you be willing to risk today to get somebody to Jesus? Because these young guys risk a lot, right? They risk their, their reputation, all that. And I think that, that that's sometimes the biggest thing that, what are people gonna think? Are they gonna call me, you know, some crazy Christian fanatic or whatever, you know? What, what are you gonna risk? My next question is what are you willing to sacrifice to get somebody to Jesus? Sometimes it's going to cost us some time, sometimes it may cost us some money, it may cost us a number of things. Maybe it's going to cost us losing some friends that aren't going to really understand, but it's going to cost us something. But what are you willing to sacrifice today? I want us to think about this. If we really want to see God do something amazing, you see, we've been talking a lot about Alpha, and Alpha starts next Sunday, but Alpha is an experience for people to explore the big questions of life. Why am I here? Is there a bigger purpose to all of this? And Alpha is an environment where we have a meal together, we watch an engaging 20-minute video, and then we have the opportunity just to talk about it with no commitment to ever come back. But what we have found is that when people get into that space and we just kind of push pause on all the distraction, everything else that's going on around us, and we just, we just take in this, this little bit of time and realize, you know what? There's some more important things than my career and, and chasing money and chasing whatever it is that you're chasing to realize that life isn't forever. And it causes people to evaluate what's important. And as the weeks go on in Alpha, it's amazing, the transformation. And and again, just going back to our baptisms, uh, I remember Jess, Jessica Lewis, when she showed up a year ago uh, at Alpha, all by herself, no one else was there, and I remember being there that Wednesday night. And it's just incredible, the life change that has happened um, over the last 12 months, but what would you be willing to risk? What would you be willing to sacrifice? And, and we don't have time uh, today, but I had a, a video that I wanted to show you because I think that sometimes we can look at stories in Scripture and we think, oh, well, that, that was back then when Jesus was there and that doesn't happen anymore. But what I'll do is I'm going to share this video on, on, my face, on my social media feeds and, and maybe the church can too and you can watch this. But this is a group of students in Pincher Creek, Alberta that began uh, getting serious and putting faith to what they believed and inviting their friends to this thing called Alpha. And they watched the, you, as you watch this video, you will see as they talked about bringing their friends to Alpha, and then what we see here happen in this story, those teenagers begin to experience in a, in incredible healings. God started to physically heal different things that they had problems with in that Alpha class and so the reality is, is Jesus still heals today. It's not just for the Bible, but if we will have faith, become invitational, bring people to Jesus, he will show up and do something amazing. And so I wanna leave you guys, um, if you're saying, you know what, I'm new to this thing, I'm not sure how to invite people, or maybe you, you aren't and you're just like, I, you know, how do, was it an invitation? What does an invitation look like? I wanna leave you guys with, with just a few tips, few suggestions on how do we invite. Is that fair? Like we can't just talk about inviting and then be like, well, he didn't even tell me how to do this, right? And so number one, okay, when it, when it comes to inviting somebody, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. And so three weeks ago, we gave you prayer cards that were on every seat. And these prayer cards were designed for you to be able to take a card and write three people that you were going to invite to Alpha. And on the back of that card, it had Luke 11.02, which means, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what that that verse is. And we ask that you would take it serious enough that you would make it a priority. Remember, set a reminder on your phone. Remember I did that last week? Siri, set a reminder, 11.02. And at 11.02, you would just stop and pray for those three people. Or pray, God, I, I pray that your kingdom would come on this earth, God, in this city, in this church, as it is in heaven. And so it starts by prayer. You know that scripture that I, that I read about our eyes being blinded, right? What happens is prayer begins to open people's eyes and opens the conversation. When we begin to pray consistent and specific prayers, listen to me, then things begin to change, and it's amazing how opportunities, I've had more opportunities in the last few weeks to talk to people about church, and and it has nothing to do with the role that I play here, but just conversations. So it starts by prayer. So if you're serious about inviting Start praying, make it consistent, make it specific, and start praying for people. All right? Number two, this is, I love this part, right? Be excited. How many of you guys have ever bought something that you couldn't afford and didn't need, but the guy was so passionate about his product? How many? Come on. I know you're out there. We've all done it. We've done things that we would have never done, but they were so excited. And I think that as Christians, we need to have that same excitement. We are, we are living for the greatest cause that you could ever live for, but yet we'll get more excited about our hockey team, right? Right? But this is amazing. It's worth being excited for. And the, the fun thing is, is people will be drawn to you. It's like an energy. I gotta show you this, this quick, quick story. so the other day, I was coming to church on a Sunday morning, and I always park at the back of the parking lot so that I can give all of our guests and, and volunteers the best parking. So I park at the back. And I noticed that that Carolyn Corey, I don't know if she's here. I think I've seen her. But she parked, she got there just a little bit before me. She's walking into the, the, the she's headed the towards the church, but she's at the back of the parking lot. And so I get out of my car, grab my bags, and I'm thinking, I am going to beat her there. And so I start off in a full out sprint trying to catch her. And I yell, I'm like, Carolyn, I am going to beat you to the door. Carolyn is one of our younger uh, ladies here at the church. She's just probably over, you know, 65 or so. And so she doesn't she begin to run in a full sprint? She has high heel boots on this tall. We are both sprinting across the parking lot at about seven ten a.m. in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if she trips and falls, I am in so much trouble. And so I broke stride. But I share that story to say this, that When we are excited and passionate about things, people will follow, people will pay attention. It'll change the environment that we are around. How many people want an exciting life, right? Be an inviter, be a bringer. And number three, intentionality. We need to be intentional when it comes to being invitational. And so an invitation could come in different ways, but Catch this, invitations often will come to people that we know or people that are around us. Opportunities will come to us. Other ways these will come is by when we take those invite cards that are on your seat and you put them in your pocket and you go about your daily activities and daily routines. As I was at the hockey rink waiting for my kids to, to get Get their gear or whatever and we're sitting we're standing in the hockey rink and i'm talking to this hockey mom and we're just having a normal conversation i put my hand in my pocket and i feel that invitation card and as soon as i do i just felt this reminder i need to invite her to alpha and so i did and we talked about it and so invitations will come through relationship they will come through just these these just prompts that will come to us. But I want to leave you these three cues, these not cues when you're in a conversation and somebody says this, things are not going well. When you hear those words, you need to know this is an opportunity for me to be able to talk about the hope that is in you and what God has done in your life in a way that makes sense to them. You'll hear people say, I'm not prepared for this. And you'll be able to have an opportunity when people say that to say, you know what? I want to share a story with you of how I felt similar to that in my life. And here's how God helped me. Another knot that you need to be uh, listening for is, I'm not from here. And again, I don't know if Kiku Vaswani is here today, but he works for an organization here in the city where he meets so many people that are moving to Moncton. And he has probably brought over 100 people here in the last year and a half because he's listening to that phrase, I'm not from here, and he is so excited to be able to tell them about the church that he's a part of and how it has helped him. So let's recap these. Three suggestions on how to invite. Number one is what? Number one is what? Pray. Start praying. Number two? Excitement. You guys sound excited. Can we say that again? Say excitement. And number three, intentionality. Can I ask that you guys would stand with me? And I'd ask that you would take that prayer card out of of the seat in front of you. And I want you to take those prayer cards with you. These are so important. So important. Because I believe and I'm praying and our staff is praying that God is going to give you opportunities over this next week to invite somebody. And not just invite them, but be a bringer to Alpha. I want to tell you today that there is no limit to God's power. The only limit is in what we can believe him for and what we are willing to do about it. There's no limit to what God can do. And so I'm just going to ask, if you would take that prayer card with with you right now, put it in your hand. I'm going to ask you to just raise it up right now. And I want to pray over you. And I, I want to pray that, that God begins to change the culture in our church where we are so invitational and we see the excitement. We're going we're to baptize people in the next months ahead that you have invited and brought to church or Alpha. And I can't wait to share those stories, but let's, let's hold those cards up. And I want to pray over you. God, I thank you for this day. God, there's people watching online and there's people that have made the, the, the journey here in the snow. And I've had so much anticipation to be able to share uh, this message on the power of the invitation, God, that I pray that it will be so much bigger than, than a 30-minute talk. But God, I pray that it would, it would just, it would continue to speak to us for the rest of our life on the power of the invitation. And the transformation that can happen in someone's life when we get beyond the fear of rejection and the fear of being uncomfortable. And I pray that we would be reminded that there is no limit to your power, but the only limit is in what we believe and what we are willing to do. And I believe that this church is willing to believe you, God, for big things. And I believe that this church is already and will continue to do what we need to do to lead this city to Jesus. We pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. Amen.